The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We've um, we've talked about this on this show in the past, and and you've like th- you've likely seen them popping up across the city and in the River Valley. There's also good uh, good chance that you've seen footage of them being taken down or the city trying to deal with them somehow. Tent cities in Edmonton are a very real thing, and um, you know the people who do not want to stay in shelters oftentimes are are finding a home temporary home there Uh, but the city is now looking at other options that it hopes will get people out of the tent cities and into something more permanent jackie ford is the social development branch manager with the city of edmonton jackie ford joining me in studio hi jackie it's so good to see you one of my one of my favorite people (laughs) joining me in studio so this is fantastic um you know this this uh branch this your job title jackie there's a lot going on there i mean if you look at at what you're charged with you know talking about uh, ending homelessness ending poverty increasing affordable housing in the city of edmonton that's a tall order it's a very tall order and one that the city, uh, the city quite often, if you look at the way governments are designed, the city really doesn't have a lot of responsibility for some of those issues, housing, uh, public health care, those kind of things. But the city of Edmonton has a real social conscience and it's it's reflected in city council who have uh, we have this branch. Uh, we have lots of people who every day work with community partners and the public and try to reduce the impacts of those really big social problems. So it's really a pleasure to come to work every day and see what we can do to help people here in Edmonton. Well, and that's interesting because you, you look at some of the departments in um, in, in the city, maybe it's, um, let's say, transit, maybe it's transportation, maybe it's um, sewers. Um, it's something, those are things that all affect um, everybody. Mm-hmm. Homelessness, poverty, um, and uh, affordable housing. I think a lot of people don't think that it affects them. But I would suggest that even my it, not, it might not be direct. It is indirect. Um, you know, costs to our city, taking care of people uh, health-wise. So while we may drive past uh, someone living uh, on the side of the road and we think, oh, I wonder what they're doing. It has no impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Down the road in a roundabout way, it does have an impact, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly does. Even if you just thought about how much you pay in taxes. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, I don't like to pay taxes, but we pay costs of social disorder and social issues. They're hidden taxes. So uh, the folks living on the street as, for example, they're involved with the emergency mm-hmm. response team. Mm-hmm. The fire, the firemen are out there. The uh, EMS is out there quite often. Uh, police, of mm-hmm. course, uh, depending on the severity of what's going on. The justice system's involved. The healthcare, healthcare system, healthcare big system. time. Uh, we know that those who are the most chronically homeless people in the city cost hundreds of millions of dollars in excess uh, uh, services from all of those levels of government. So it is our problem. Mm -hmm. And when you think about affordable housing, there are a lot of people in the city. There's 48,000 units of affordable housing that are needed in the city of Edmonton. That are needed. Yes. So there's thousands of people on waiting lists for affordable housing. And it doesn't take much to fall into a situation where you cannot afford Mm. your rent. It could be a job loss, a health concern. Absolutely. I think every one of us knows someone who just needs a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. So if it's a family member, or a co-worker, it's easy to fall into core housing need. 
Oh, I think there's a lot of us that can remember maybe a time in our life, and it could be right now, it could be 10 years ago, it could have been 20 years ago, that it was paycheck to paycheck, if if that, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. okay, well, the majority of my paycheck is going to my apartment, my crap apartment, basement apartment with the mice in it, mm-hmm. um, and okay, so am I going to pay to, to cover my head for the month and maybe have, what if you're lucky, 100 bucks for food for the rest of the month? It's a real, it's a balancing act. It really is, and Albertans, uh, when you read studies, Albertans are most likely to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm. So it doesn't take much to fall into one of those situations where social services or uh, social uh, uh, agencies step in and help. We see it at Christmas, yeah, of course, absolutely. just downstairs, saw yeah. the box for kids for toys. Uh, those kids are living in housing, probably that a, pr- a precarious housing situation mm. if they need that kind of uh, support at Christmas time. So it is it's in every neighborhood. It's in every family. Jackie Ford joining me in studio this afternoon. Uh, the branch manager, social development, the city of Edmonton, as you heard, uh, tasked with a big job in, in this city. But um, she's up to the challenge given the, um, the her, her track record in this city, uh, of course, was the CEO at the, uh, the uh, YWCA of Edmonton for a long time as well. When it comes to... Edmonton and homeless, those numbers. Years ago now, um, the city said, you know, we are going to work towards ending homelessness. We're going to put a plan in place. Those numbers um, are, are reducing, but there's still, what, over 1,000, 1,500 people that would be considered like chronic homelessness? Yeah, about 1,700 people in Edmonton are considered chronically homeless. So they've had, they've had periods of time in their life over X number of weeks where they did not have a permanent home. Of those 1,700, about 500 sleep on the street in our city every night. Uh, it's 500 too many. Um, but there, are, there is nowhere else for them to go. What about, what about shelters? We do have shelters here in the city, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. shelters have a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do know that the shelter beds where people can be active in their addictions, if I can use yeah. that term, yeah. those beds are full every night. But for the rest of the shelter system, uh, there's usually about a 25 to 30% vacancy rate every night. And when when you think about it, it's it's not... If you think about it past just what you see on the street, you can think about if you had everything that you owned in, mm. you know, the the stereotypical shopping cart to go into the shelter, you can't take mm. your belongings with you. If you have you a pet, you can't take your pet with you. If you have a partner, you're not guaranteed to sleep in the same space. There's no privacy for the most yeah. part. It's mats on the floor. People have told us when we've talked to them that they're scared to stay in the shelters uh, because of uh, the behaviors of others and you cannot be actively um, uh, intoxicated or uh, high or Mm -hmm. anything if you go into the shelters. So for a lot of folks, those barriers are just too much and they have chosen to stay on the street. I've, uh, when we've talked about this uh, in past on this show, I've had people who were living on the streets before texting and saying, yeah, just the homeless shelters, the shelters were not an option for them because of all of those things that you just mentioned. And then I'll have people saying, well, it's, you know, if they really wanted to get off the street, they'd get off the street. Uh, we hear that every day, and it's such a myth. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that that myth still exists. When we talk to people who live on the street, you have to remember, some of them might actually say, I just don't, I, I, I'm happy here. Mm. But think, 
for the most for most of the people who you see on the street those 500 every night and there's probably a thousand in this category they have uh, their uh, ad- have addictions issues they have mental health issues and they have physical health issues mm. put and many of them have all three of those happening and also remember when you're living on the street, you, you never get good sleep. We've talked about sleep mm-hmm, deprivation. We've mm-hmm. heard about it. So even if you're in the shelter, uh, in the morning, you have to leave the shelter at 6, 6.30, whatever time that is. You spend your day on the street and not one centimeter of the city is yours. Mm. If you're on the sidewalk, if you're in the park, at some point someone's going to tell you to move along. So sleep deprivation, there's it's people who live on the street have never had a good night's sleep. Mm. So it's hard for them to make a decision that would say, that would sound logical to us because they're not, they may not be, have, they may not have the capacity to understand what to that home means. These, uh, these, these uh, homeless um the tent cities that have been popping up that we've seen, it seems more and more of lately, and I don't know if it's more and more lately, or if it's just the the more attention has been brought to them, and the decision by the city to take them down. Um, tell us about that 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 process. It part of me is like, well, wouldn't it be best to to leave them there? Uh, like I, I I don't know, Jackie. Mm-hmm. You're yep. this is your this is your wheelhouse, not mine. Well. Uh, Part of the reason that you might see more this year, because there's always been those people living all across the city. We have a map at the city where we've found homeless camps, and it is every corner mm-hmm. of this city. But primarily the River Valley is a, is a, if I can use the term, a popular spot. Yeah. And the Dawson Park uh, Ravi- and the Kennard Ravine this spring, it became a pretty dangerous situation. There was fires down there, people cooking. There was a lot of people living in that one particular mm-hmm. space. And we made a conscious decision to remove and clean up those camps because of uh, the safety of the people who live there, the safety of the people, the neighborhood, and uh, the, the park was becoming it was becoming environmental hazard so when we when we went in and told people in a very orderly way that they were going to have to move and if they didn't move we we would take their belongings and and their personal belongings that looked truly personal glasses prescriptions mm. those kind of things we kept aside and and kept for them but we cleaned up everything else and we closed off that part of the mm. of the river valley so when you move people from somewhere, they have to go somewhere else. So this year we saw more and more people come up above the bank yeah. and downtown and along the LRT line. So at that point, we decide, okay, now what do we do? So we convened the city, Homer Trust, uh, Boyle, Bissell, uh, Alberta Health Services, EPS, mm-hmm. uh, income supports, all got together and said, why don't we bring what we know about housing and what we know about programs to the people who lived there, who were hmm. living in the camps. So we actually went from tent to tent to tent and talked to everybody and talked to them about what options they had for uh, income supports, what benefits they were allowed to have. Do you have ID? Do you really want a house? That, or do you really want a place to live? Mm-hmm. That was the key question. And, well, 
it, it's, it's a question that isn't often asked. Like, yeah. do you want a place to live? So we found uh, just in the last six weeks, we've connected 75 people to wow. housing workers and we're actively looking for a house for them or a home for them. And the other side of that is we've, I think nine or 10 people have now a permanent home. It's It's been a really, you know, it, it, in hindsight, it kind of makes sense. Why wouldn't you take that service to the people where they are? So... But there are times when we still have to clean up. It is a public safety. It okay. is the businesses along there. It's And it's also for the safety of the people who live there. Um, I think just being asked that question, do you want a place, a permanent place to live? Um, I, I suspect a lot of them haven't been asked that in a very long time, time or hadn't even thought about it. Hadn't even thought about it because at some point you get to, to the point this where is, your options yeah. are like, this is my life. And how do you go about it if maybe you don't have ID, yeah. if you don't have anything like that? And you don't even know that you qualify for a rent supplement. So bringing that service, we actually brought an ETS bus out there and brought people in and gave them some privacy and had really good conversations with them about who they were, what they wanted, and what they were entitled to in terms of benefits. So out of this came uh, an idea as well of about some bridge housing, some intermediate housing. We'll take a break here at 320. We'll talk about bridge housing and what that looks like and how it could help this issue when we come back. More with Jackie Ford after this. Jackie Ford in studio this afternoon, the branch manager, Social Development City of Edmonton. She's been given the job of um, ending homelessness, um, ending poverty, um, creating more affordable housing in the city of Edmonton. We've been talking about this process so far, and you know we've talked about those those tent cities, and now we're talking about bridge housing. So when the conversations with uh, the folks who are living in those tent cities happen about you know would you like a place to stay, and to me again we just automatically think of course we want a place to stay but if you've never been asked that or it hasn't been e- even possible thought for years on your on your mind wow just to be asked that must have been must have been something else Jackie when you talk about bridge housing what is this well what we've learned is if someone has been living on the street for a long time it takes about 45 days to get them their uh, ID to get them uh, uh, attached to the benefits that the social benefits yep. that they're entitled to and then we have to look for suitable housing for them so not every it is not as simple enough to say let's open a door on an apartment walk in Here you and go. lock the door and say hey have a good life it doesn't it doesn't work that way particularly for the chronically homeless so while they're while we're in that 45 day period if someone says to us immediately if they're on the street yeah I'd really like a place to live if if the next day we don't have a place for them to live, they might move their tent mm. that next day. So then we have to go find them. And it's not like they're leaving a return <laughs> yeah. mail address. Yeah. So the quicker we can get someone into a bridge housing, which is very temporary, 45, 60 days, while we're, we're, they're working with a housing uh, off someone to help them find housing is a good solution. What can we use for bridge housing? Well, the, we're going to city council next week with a report. There's things, uh, it could be an existing building. It could be, in some cases, maybe hotel space. Uh. Not our preferred model, but there it uh-huh. is. There could be some purpose-built bridge housing, but it's just a place, like that quick stop fix. People are saying, okay, what about the cost? It's not inexpensive. It, I, I, there's no way to say that this is an inexpensive problem to fix, especially for the chronically homeless. So let's think about the bridge housing costs will be there. 
Um, and then after that, uh, we need in the city of Edmonton 900 units of what is called permanent supportive housing. <laughs> and that is for those folks who have those uh, those conditions we talked about earlier, mm. addictions, mental health, physical challenges. Imagine a long-term care center for the chronically homeless. Hmm. We need 900 of those wow. beds. And that means that in those uh, buildings and in those services, there's all the medical attention they need, physio, addictions treatment, uh, doctors, nurses, yeah. all. It is not inexpensive. Think about how much it costs to run a long-term care Absolutely. center. So this problem is not... It is... but. Okay, but if if we're shifting dollars, if we're shifting dollars towards that, in taking care of these people, keeping them out of the judicial system, keeping out of mm-hmm. uh, out of hospitals, the mental, whatever the the, the the systems there, is it just kind of really shifting of some some money? I, I mean. It absolutely is. Okay, you're, you're, is that, you're is on that, the right track. Okay, there's a, a place here in the city called Ambrose Place, which is is a, is a permanent supportive housing uh, a y- building. Mm-hmm. I think there's I might get the numbers wrong. But there's about 40 people who live there who were chronically homeless, and they are receiving the best care they can. It is uh, culturally based caring, and it has saved uh, health, emergency rooms, police hmm. millions and millions of dollars every year so it does it does pay off in the long run but it is it's getting started it's the immediate and it, yeah it's the immediate so that's where the bridge housing comes in because there are some people like the the nine that we've housed mm-hmm. in the last few weeks who aren't as high needs as permanent supportive housing but that permanent supportive housing would solve a lot of that street homelessness that we're seeing on in the city today so we'll see what happens next week we're working on it we're also working really closely with the provincial government and the federal government because well this is just not a the municipality issue it's not a no it's got to be it's got to be addressed by all mm-hmm. levels I'm I'm very proud to say our city council has has put 140 million dollars on the table, and we're hoping to leverage money from the province, who in turn could leverage money from the federal government and get these units built. Jackie, um, a great member of Chedville, texted in and said, "I I don't want to be cynical here, but is it possible? Do you truly believe that you can end homelessness?" I think we can end what you would call that functionally end. Like there's always going to be people who. Um, live on the street for whatever reason Mm -hmm. even permanent supportive housing there will be some people who just cannot live in that model but i think when you think about we have 500 people living on the street we have 1700 chronically homeless people we should be able to house 1700 people that doesn't mean that there won't be new people moving Mm -hmm. into town and that things will change but i think we can get that number to a place where we can manage to house that many people like I just if you don't have hope that means those people in the street don't have that hope Mm. either so that's why the servant homeless serving agencies the city we're all there saying we can make life better for these people well let's do it and we'll find out next week if that uh, next step might be taken in it Jackie Ford always great to catch up with you thank you for joining me thank you Jalen